You're listening to a Sim Media podcast. In a world of iconic riffs, immortal solos, the highest notes, and the most guttural growls, the debate of the greats has raged on for decades. And we settle them here. This is The Great Metal Standoff. Ladies and gentlemen of the rock and roll, punk, prog, hardcore, thrash, and heavy metal community, my name is Jason Emmons, and this is The Great Metal Standoff, the podcast that pits music's greatest albums in track by track combat. And oh dear, I gotta change that intro. Never mind that, something for another time. Last time we met, it was Christmas Eve and we were picking apart Nickelback and Creed with the Sin Mosh Pit team. On that podcast, we learnt that one of our guests on that episode, Ben, well, crazy, right? He was a fan of both bands. And also, considering the fact that he had made a previous appearance on this podcast to celebrate Dream Theatre and Queensryche, it is clear with Ben, we are going to get unbridled passion no matter what you throw at him. So... For our first show in around four months or so, I put today's battle in Ben's hands. I wanted to see what battle he wanted to propose. Well, it is certainly a doozy. A battle of the debuts. A battle of underground thrash. Exodus, Bonded by Blood, versus Annihilator, Alice in Hell. Let's just not waste any time. Let's find out how this battle is going to be fought. Number one. Every album battle will be contested in a track-by-track format by a podcast panel. Number two, each individual panellist will select a winner of each pairing. The winning track will receive a point to that individual's tally score. Tracks on albums that go uncontested can receive a tally point if a panellist awards it a gold star. Once the battle is over, the album with the highest tally score will receive one grand point for that album. If a panellist tally score results in a draw, both albums will receive a half grand point each. And finally, most importantly, the album with the most grand points will be declared the winner. Now, for this particular episode, it is just going to be Ben and myself for this battle. We normally do have a three-person setup for battles such as these on this podcast, and it is quite the rare sight to have a two-person setup, but we'll explain why it's going to be a two-person setup very, very shortly. Stick with us in the meantime. But the most important thing is that we have a battle between Exodus and Annihilator. Bonded by Blood versus Alice in Hell. Who is the thrashiest of the thrash and who thrashed harder on their debut? Let's find out right now. Let's go meet up with Ben for his third battle on the Great Metal Standoff. Roll the audio. And Ben, this is your third standoff. Yeah, it's unbelievable, Jason. Uh, I always appreciate the call. Um, you know, when there's no one else to kind of say, hey, you know, would you like to help? Um, I'm always here, so that's great. But uh, I like to pride myself on uh, definitely being a, a thrash metal enthusiast. So yeah. talking all things with you, Exodus and Annihilator. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. It's going to well, be Well, you're awesome. a lover of all metal, not only just Exodus and Annihilator, Ben. The last time we saw you were talking up Nickelback and Creed. That is true. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I love that 2000s rock as well. I, I go beyond 
what the conventional realm would be when it comes to bands and popularity and stuff like that as well. But uh, luckily today, uh, we're talking about two fantastic records and two very, very well-respected bands at that as well. But they also are definitely the epitome of the underground period at the time because Thrash was that. You get a very large sense of community listening to these two records from just in the context of when they were coming out. Yeah, one of the reasons why the 1980s is my favourite period of music, it's that youthfulness. You can hear it in the playing. You can even hear it in how both these albums are recorded, like the toms and the just with the drums, they echo around the room. Um, I think of Paul Beloff's vocals as well for the Exodus record. It's just reverberating around. It's It really was a special time and uh, you can just hear that these bands knew they were on the uh, on the verge of creating something that was just groundbreaking at the time. Now, before we go anything anywhere further, I we need to preface something. Normally, when we do a great metal standoff, there would normally be a third person here in the room. But we just wanted to say that we were attempting to get a third person into the room here with us today, Ben. But despite uh, we're in a good position right now in terms of the state of the world, Ben. But uh, we just need to be extra safe and take all the extra precautions to make sure that we make it out of the woods safely. So for just this one time only, we're, it's just going to be the two of us, Ben. No, that's right, Jason, but I think that's good too. Um, I have way too much to talk about on this, and I imagine you will as well. Um, but, you know, it's a pandemic. These aren't ordinary times, and it's, I mean, it's fantastic we can even get in here to do the show. So yeah. that's a privilege in itself. No, yeah, it's the first time we've recorded a great metal standoff inside the Sin Studios for the first time in probably over a year. And also, Ben, it is the first time that you and I are doing anything re- remotely production in person. It's crazy, I know. And to think we were hanging out over you know, Zoom last year, whatever it was we were yeah. using. Um, but here we are. And yeah, I, I said it earlier, I'll say it again, you were a lot taller than I was expecting, which I mean, I, I guess uh, webcam doesn't give any good sense of height, but... Uh... Or the tall chair I was sitting in the whole time. I had I had like the Twitch streamer style ah, that's gaming right. chair Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Too good. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, uh, yeah, so you've done three standoffs with us. Dream Theater versus Queensryche, Nickelback versus Creed. In between that time, I should also mention, I was EP of Moshpit at the time, Ben. Since the time has changed, I've handed over the baton to you. How has it been being the new EP at Moshpit? It's been a really interesting experience. Um, being the executive producer, especially for the first season, I didn't actually have a team around me, so every playlist I curated kind of on my own. So if people didn't like it, I was to blame if people loved it. Hey, no worries. Yeah, but, all, the, all the love in the world. But uh, it's been really cool now. I've got a new volunteer. Uh, Hannah's joined the team. And uh, w- what I love about this is Hannah brings such a uh, love of punk music that was probably something that was a little bit more of a weakness in my terms of heavy music scope. So uh, I'm bringing kind of the metal, the prog rock, and everything in between. And uh, Hannah's really keeping the show uh, afloat with all the, all the punk music, so it's been great. Yeah, well, we hope that uh, Hannah can eventually one day join the two of us in a future standoff. I, I hope so, yeah. I think uh, if you've got two punk albums that are, you know, definitely worth challenging, um, yeah, let's get Hannah in. It'd be awesome. Excellent. Okay. Once again, it's only the two of us that does pose a risk between Exodus and Annihilator today, and that is the likelihood of a draw has gone up exponentially. What do you think? Do you think it's likely we're going to see a draw today? I am incredibly curious on your thoughts on these albums, Jason, and I'm not sure with your taste which way you're actually going to go today. So I'm very excited to find out. But I know 
what camp I'm going to sit in on this one, but uh, either way, well, at least here's what's interesting. You were the person who proposed this battle, by the way. I was. And, and what's interesting about this is that in my head, I know which album I like more, but then when you compare track to track and each one gets a point... It can balance out. It, it can change. So I'm going to be very, very curious to know how this actually ends up. But uh, nine tracks per record. Yep. No gold star rule required. No gold star rule required either. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super, super, super pumped. So I guess uh, take us through exactly what we're dealing with today. All right. Well, well, well what we're going to need to be doing is signal over to the timekeeper and oh, it's, he's, it's in hibernation. We should wake up the timekeeper, shall we? Can you, can you let out a large... Because I've given up. Hey, hey, uh, can you wake up? We're, we're ready to go. Timekeeper? Timekeeper? There he is. There he, there oh, he is. There yes, he is. good, good yeah, timekeeper. But... Now, if you, if you could be so kind, sir, ring the bell. <laughs> Thanks are plenty. Let's go. Exodus, Bonded by Blood, versus Annihilator, Alice in Hell. Track one. Bonded by Blood, the title track, versus Crystal Land, which is all I could really say, acoustic piece, had a little bit of duel, a little bit, it's quite neat. It, 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 it's a neoclassical piece, this uh, this track, Crystal, Crystal Land, and I think immediately you know that uh, guitarist and band leader, still to this day, Jeff Waters, is something else. Like, my word, how good is the guitar playing on that track? It's just tremendous. It is neat, neat playing. Yeah, um, J- Jeff really is just unbelievable. You know, he he described to me, not 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 to me personally. I wish it'd be awesome to chat to him, but no, he he mentioned what makes a great guitarist, and he broke it down to three different things: rhythm playing, soloing, and songwriting. Many have one or two of those attributes, but it's actually quite hard to find people that have all three. But I truly do believe Jeff has all three of those. So, yeah, really awesome. But at the same time, uh, Bonded by Blood really is a thrash metal anthem to the end. It's still one of the more kind of go-to famous thrash metal songs. It's even talking about, you know, the the behaviour in the crowd, how everyone loses their mind, bangs their head and everything in between. Um, And, Jason, it's hard not to get swept up by those riffs by Gary Holt in that song, like right off the bat. What was your take when you first heard it? It was actually a reality check for me personally because this is is the first time I ever listened to Exodus and Annihilated doing the research for this podcast. I had to be reminded how much of an underground, how much of a very niche thing this kind of music was at the time because the moment the riff hit, I had to take a moment to remember, oh, wait, I'm not listening to Kill Em All. That, that that's right. No, like the moment the vocals came, and I'm like, "Hang on a second, is this Kill 'Em All?" No, it's not. It's Exodus. <laughs> yeah, those uh, those those first um, thrash albums definitely always have a quality to them. I, I guess for the Annihilator one, I'm just blown away by the clarity of the recording, and I still think the guitar tone is just it has such a modern sound to it. Still, um, I think that album holds up incredibly well. Whereas with Bonded by Blood. Um, the production definitely does make it feel like it was a bit of an element of its time. Product of its time, Definitely, yeah. but um, I still love that. I, I love that kind of authenticity it's got. It wasn't trying to be overly glossed up, overproduced. It was it was what it was, which was just a bunch of young guys um, getting in a room and just playing some thrash metal and uh, you know taking the world by storm. Also, really interesting to note, Kirk Hammett 
was yes. initially in Exodus before he moved over to Metallica. I believe he moved over to Metallica in 1981, 1982. 1983. was... It would have been just before Kill 'Em All. Dave Mustaine... Yeah, I think Dave Mustaine was mostly in Metallica through to 1982 and he got kicked out around about 1983. Yeah, that, but yes. Yeah, yeah. So, there were um, a lot of lineup changes for Exodus around about this time. That uh, kind of got cold a little bit. The, yeah, it, oh, it was just fascinating because even before that... Um, Exodus would then get Steve Zetro Souza, who was actually the original singer for a band called Legacy, who that band turned into Testament. Uh-huh. So it's really incredible how much these bands alternated with members and singers and stuff like that in the early years when they were all trying to find their feet. But um, yeah, I mean, instantly off the bat for me, Jason, um, as, as beautiful as that pick is of Crystal Ann, I think it opens up the next track so perfectly. Uh, Bonded by Blood is undoubtedly the uh, the thrash metal anthem of the two. I do concur with you. It actually took a little bit of growing on me to get into Bonded by Blood because it, it was quite the shell shock the first time around. Yeah. But Bonded by Blood is probably the perfect encapsulation of the sense of community from that period of time. Oh, yeah. I, I do concur with you. Yeah. Bonded by Blood definitely gets the point. Fantastic. And I also concur with the point you were making about Crystal Land being a good transition into the next track which goes up against Exodus. It's Exodus, Exodus goes up against Alice in Hell, which is also somewhat the title track. It's a different spelling. I don't know why that is, but Alice in Hell. That is true. I never have been able to find out the reason for that. Maybe he wanted the song to just kind of stick out a little bit from instead of the album title, um, mm. but definitely up for debate. Alice in Hell to me is... Uh, there's a lot of bands out there, a lot of artists that... They're known for a certain song, and then that song isn't always indicative of the band's talent or it's not a great song. I truly believe this is a fantastic song to be famous for. I really do. I think everything about this, we we continue that neoclassical kind of guitar playing when the track opens. Jason, this is incredibly interesting to note, but with Annihilator, guitars, all guitars and all bass is recorded by Jeff Waters. Um, uh-huh. on, on all 17 albums, which is just wow. madness. Yeah. So even though there's always bass players' names, that's more just the band lineup at the time, but Jeff actually plays it all. Or session players? They... Could be session players as well. I know uh, Mike Mangini of Dream Theater fame. He's, oh, right. he's played in on three Annihilator records as well. Um, uh. Yeah, so it's a bit of a revolving door. And the reason for that, it's technically a project, but Jeff kind of he would just hire musicians on kind of like a contract rate so if there's no music happening there's no work coming in right so that's why the members would always constantly rotate because if people are after a full-time job or whatever it's kind of a little tricky with the arrangement he's got but um i think for the most part uh the lineup he's got now it's a lot of young kids and i think they've just rejuvenated the whole thing it's just fantastic interesting point exodus in contrast while I do love this track by Exodus, it's a pretty similar idea to Bonded by Blood. It's more riffing, yeah. it's more speed, and uh, it's loud and it's fast. And the, the, the soloing is great fun in this song too. I, I think it really is awesome. I think um, it also sets up a little bit of a theme with the solos, especially in Exodus. It's kind of, You can split it into two definitive parts. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty compact little song. I think it only goes a little over three minutes. Um, but this is what I loved about Thrash in the early days. It kind of said what it needed to say and then it just got out, which is uh, which is really cool. Um, no better example than that than uh, good old Rain and Blood by uh, Slayer. <laughs> yes. that, that talk about making a point and getting out of there. It's, uh, it's, and then it, a full minute of rain. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. To end, yeah, the chaos. Yeah, no, just just brilliant stuff. But um, to me, uh, Alice in Hell, uh, Jason, what what were your thoughts on almost like the horror, uh, creepy elements that were going on in that track? Uh, definitely plenty of elements going on. You know what? I I was a bit uh, picky in terms of the long, elongated intro, you know, it being 90 seconds long before the vocals finally kick in. But after a little bit of a while, you can kind of sense a bit of a story trajectory as Absolutely. we go along. So, like, uh, one of the first main riffs, it's like the rise of a, of a evil beast and then it's the chase and then you're entered hell and then, ah, listen, hell. Yes. And just that groove on that riff, too, is unbelievable. Just Again, it just goes back to that rhythm playing, which I'm just going to keep harping on about. But uh really is some fantastic riffs behind that, that those vocals by uh, the late, great Randy Rampage, who sadly is no longer with us. Um, but, boy, he, uh, he gave it a great go. Randy was actually from a punk band um, prior to uh, joining Annihilator for that one-off album. But he did come back 10 years later in, uh, I think it was... 1999 for an album called Criteria for a Black Widow, which is actually a very good uh, kind of anniversary record Annihilator did, but it was awesome to hear his voice again and stuff. And uh, as you can imagine, sheer chaos and uh, sheer madness again when he returned. But um, yeah, I I love both tracks to bits. I really like that point you made because I, I never really realized it. It takes almost three minutes of the record to even get any vocals coming in. Yeah. So that's very unusual in, in a lot of music, at least I think. I am going to get a little bit controversial right out of the gate. It, Exodus uh, uh, singer Paul Bailoff and uh, Randy Rampage, they are an acquired taste that I have not yet to acquire. They are an acquired taste. I think, not, I think that's very it's fair. It's not for me yet. Um, it's also worth noting, too, if you continue listening to both these bands, um, both those guys just disappear after the first album. And uh, right. both both of them are no longer alive, which is really eerie. Uh, but yeah, as, as I mentioned, Steve Zetro Souza he pops in, joins Exodus, does some great records, fabulous disaster. I personally love Impact is Imminent, Force of Habit, Tempo of the Damned, all all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then Annihilator do this insane thing where there is four different singers on their first four albums. It, Goodness I've, me, I've never known another band that's ever done that. And not just that, but each genre changes. So the first record's thrash. The second one's kind of more heavy metal, bit of speed. Um, and then after that, it's like a hard rock album, uh, the 93 one with Mangini. And then, yeah, it's kind of a, an industrial heavy metal album is the fourth one. And Jeff actually sings. Um, so, yeah, it's just really interesting to know how these bands kind of got around changing members all the time. But uh, I guess, Jason, we gotta, we got to make a pick. We do. I'm going to take Alice in Hell, personally. I think that is a far superior track to Exodus. So that will be where my point, and that's going to tie things up, one-to-one. I'm curious, Jason, to see if uh, you and I are going to keep agreeing this well, because I'm with you on that as well. I I think Alice in Hell is just absolutely tremendous. All right. One all apiece. Next up, And Then There Were None by Exodus versus WTYD, or Welcome to Your Death by Annihilator. I want to say something. I'm not sure if this is common opinion amongst Exodus fans, but and then there were none is probably up in the top three for me, especially with that grooving style riff. Oh, absolutely! What a riff it is from Gary Holt. You know, G- Gary is one of the kings of metal riffs. I've actually said to people he's my favorite riff writer in the world of any heavy music. Gary is just fantastic. What makes him so great? 
Uh, you kind of alluded to it. I think the, the groove. I think there's just always this insane sheer groove to everything he writes. His mid-pace riffs are just madness. Um, if you listen to an album from 2007, Exodus did, uh, The Atrocity Exhibition Part A, I don't know what was going on. I don't know what magic was happening because those riffs on that album are killer. Like, absolutely unbelievable. Like, just thinking about it, I just get goosebumps as to how great the riffs are. So, yeah, um, this is just an example. that it, You know, it was a young Gary at this point in time, and uh, he had it then, and he's still got it now. Um, Welcome to Your Death is uh, is a really fast number from Annihilator, and, and honestly, I love the riff so much. Um, here's a fun fact for you, Jason. I, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to touch on this at some point, but I think one thing we can agree on with Annihilator is that the solos are just so out of this world good. Um, it, 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 at least to me, the, the guitar solos, this would, this would be up there as probably in my top 10 favorite guitar solo albums of all time. The Welcome to Your Death solo? Uh, sorry, just the, uh, just the record in, in, ah. in, in, in full. If we're talking great records, and I think what's so interesting about it is my favorite guitar solo album ever would be Rust in Peace by Megadeth. Right. And when the boys with Dave Mustaine were going to the studio to record Rust in Peace, what were they listening to in the van and the car trips up? They were listening to Alice in Hell by Annihilator. And then Marty Friedman comes along and, and makes these like symphonic, beautiful, gorgeous, well-thought-out solos. And I can top you on one more fact that's even more fun than that. Um, Jeff Waters actually got offered the position to be the guitarist for the Rust in Peace record. And he, d- he declined it because Roadrunner said, no, I think you've really got something with this band. Uh, go ahead and release the record. So... In this weird world, everything worked out because I couldn't imagine Jeff or anyone, anyone on the planet doing a better job with those solos on Rust in Peace than what Marty Friedman and Dave Mustaine did. I just thought, it, it, you know, it was one of those things, everything came together and it was a moment in time. Would you say Jeff Waters would be able to surpass Marty Friedman in terms of solo playing on Rust in Peace or do you think it, it works? it's worked out perfectly fine um, and I, they're I, equal playing field? Oh, I, I think Jeff's ability, he'd absolutely be able to write some just madness, incredible solos. And I think he'd have a fair shot at surpassing it. I, I truly do. But at the same time, it's hard to imagine it being any better than what it was. I mean, that, that's my favorite album of all time is Rust in Peace. Yeah. It just, it just holds up so well. It, it really does. I've showed people who aren't even fans of metal the Rust in Peace record, and they love it. But even they can go, you know, musically, this isn't normally my thing, but the playing on this is just so well done. Um, you know, it's just hard not to love it, so... All right. Yeah. Uh, if we could move it over from guitar riffs into vocals, I have spoken my praise for and then there were none. Definitely one of the top three for Exodus, but yep. Paul Bailoff, man. Did, was there any thought put into his vocals on this? Um, I, I think that's what the appeal was. I think that's what everyone loved about Paul. He was never out there you know, prancing around saying, I'm the best singer in metal. He was just a guy that had such a love and a passion for the music. And you can just hear that in, in, in his vocals. It's just, it almost sounds like he's just barking or shouting at you half the time. Um, but yeah, from all accounts, he had a larger-than-life presence. Um, also got to really say uh, Tom Hunting on the drums here, who 
He's the Exodus drummer, but at the same time, he's actually popped in and out multiple different times over the years. Um, they've done some records without him, but uh, I think Tom's drumming, it only gets better as you go through their catalogue, but at the same time, uh, I mean, geez, you could already tell he was very talented even back then um, in 1985. So, yeah. Um, the drums left me very intrigued throughout both records, so I know nothing about drums. Sure. So if you can lay as many fun facts about the drumming as we go along, it would be greatly appreciated, Ben. But where's your point going to lie? Mine is going to lie at then, and then there were none. Yeah, I think. Um, well, I just love "Welcome to Your Death" way too much. It's got a, it's got this mid-pace riff in it that comes in, I think, two minutes thirty in or whatever. And you know, even you got this hi-hat pattern going on, and then he's hitting the toms in time, and the whole thing is just glorious. But um, that really is an excellent Exodus track, too. I mean, they're both winners at the end of the day. Yeah. Both these albums are But the point is going to awesome. go to Welcome to Your Death. The point is going to go to Welcome to Your Death, yeah. So I, we have I, differed for the first time. Yes, we do. And, uh, the yeah. road to draw begins. Oh, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting, this one. It'll come down to the wire, I believe. It, it, uh, one it, final thing I wanted to appreciate about Welcome to Your Death, interesting choice to have everything drop out and then just have a significant period of nothing but lead guitar. Yes, yes. Uh, did you like that? It was an interesting choice. I'm telling you, there's some choices that were made on that record where I just shake my head and go, how on earth? Like, how did he think of that? Because, yeah, that to me is such a cool little moment that not enough artists do. And uh, even the backing, you know, he's got they've got that really fast backing riff and then he's just doing these really yeah. nice little... Nice some melody. Nice little melody over and, it. And then... And underneath is pretty much dual. And, and then, uh, as you said, it's like silence and then you just hear the, the cymbal go... One, two, three, four, and then you know, just back in, back into the chaos, back into the madness. Um, I can tell you, this album up loud, driving in your car, is incredible. Uh, it, I, I may have done that a few too many times, but um, <laughs> yeah, may, may have got some looks from uh, folks at the lights looking at me. But uh, no, really, it's so cool. So yeah, great, uh, great, great. Maybe they understand where you came from. They were young once as well. Oh, that's it. I know. Hopefully, I can stay young. You know, there's a really. Um, it was a really fun talking point. You know, will everyone still be listening to heavy metal in their 90s? But that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> we'll save that for the radio show. Absolutely. All right, track four, A Lesson in Violence versus Wicked Mystic. I want to talk about Wicked Mystic right out of the gate. I think that's my favourite song off this record. Oh, how good is it? It's, Fantastic song. Uh, oh, man, that 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 opening riff, It immediately you go, woof. It's, it's, it's a really, it's what I like to call an inviting riff. There's ah. just this weird sense of intrigue when you hear it. And then obviously Waters just opens up with some absolutely killer guitar solo over the top of it. You know, you've got the pounding drums coming in, double kicks. Mm. Um, we, we were talking about drums earlier and you, you kind of mentioned the fact that, um, you know, like take us through a little bit of the drums. Well, I personally think Annihilator's drums are normally a little bit uh, bare. Like they're not as interesting as I personally would like. Um, but on this record, they actually are. I think all, all the beats and everything just sound really cool. Uh, half the reason for this is that Jeff actually bought and made his own studio, and uh, he normally just writes with drum editing software. So as you get to the fourth record and so forth, um, he'd get real drummers in to play, but the original drum tracks he's already recorded and composed himself. So they're laid out. They're kind of laid out, and then you you know you'll you'll pay a drummer to just come in and he'll he'll do his thing and make it happen. But um, while that isn't a bad thing, sometimes I just wish, and, and, and it comes down to my taste in drums, I really love drummers that are just always busy. And I know some people don't like that, 
but uh, for me, I, I, I wish the drums in future records were a little bit more bombastic is probably a word I can think of. But at the same time, uh, here, it's a great performance. By um, the, 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 the gentleman, the, the, the drummer on this record, I, I do apologise, it's escaped me. Was it Ray Hartman? We're gonna fa- we're gonna fact check right here. Get the Wikipedia up. We have on drums. We have Ray Hartman. Yes. It's Ray Hartman. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. No, he does such an excellent job on that. So, credit. It's slightly to- different because there's a lot more symbol when normally you could probably go thump thump thump. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But um, also really nice use of double kicks. I know that a lot of people don't like double kicking. Um, can be a bit really. Yeah, I, I've spoken to a lot of people. My my dad. My dad loves heavy metal and he doesn't like double kicks. Um, but no, the, this this is a very great performance, and I think too, if you're drumming over guitar and bass tracks like the ones that are in that record, I mean, wow, you're you're in good company. Um, as far as Exodus with a lesson in violence, it's another one that's kind of um, uh, it, it's a little similar to Bonded by Blood, isn't it? In the sense of it's just got that real fast paced, um, you know, visceral sound to it. Um, again, just crazy high energy, a lot of echoes going on. Jason, what were your thoughts on Some that Some very strange tonal choice in the uh, solos as well. Absolutely. Yeah, Exodus always had really interesting guitar tones, I've noticed, when it comes to their solos. Like, it's not, not to say that they sound out of tune, but they just sound... It's like they're tuned that little bit different than the conventional um, guitar solo that you would normally hear, but, uh, yeah. Especially for the scene at the time, in at that point... Other than that, I also had in my notes here, actually speaking of double kick drum, I almost misinterpreted for like a pre-Dyer's Eve in terms of drumming. Uh, very nice. I, I like the comparison there. And Paul, and Paul Bailoff in terms of vocals. There's very, some very punk rock. Oh, absolutely. Kind of I, I really do sense Paul was a bit of a punk rocker himself. Yeah, that's one thing. And Iron Maiden did this really well when they got their original uh, singer, uh, Paul Diano. Paul Diano. Paul yeah. Diano was a punk rocker, and he was in this British heavy metal band. And by all accounts, I think those albums rule. I think Iron Maiden's fantastic record, Killers, and it just goes to show sometimes it's really good to bring in someone that's in a little bit of a different field, bring them in, join your join your thrash band or whatever, and it gives you kind of that extra edge. Um, because yeah, if you if you can appeal to some punk rockers as well. You know, opens up the door quite a lot. It at least I think. It shouldn't be too far out of the realm of possibility. In fact, considering you know Exodus, they're very part of that Bay Area thrash period at the time. At the same time, Black Flag were going about, were hanging about around. I think they would have probably been hanging around. Were they around that period of time, nineteen eighty five? That was more. Yeah, I think they. I... They'd be touring, but I think obviously they're yeah. more based in DC in um, that kind of area, I, and then minor threat. And... I, I wish I was a, a punk um, historian. I, I got to research more, but we my, need Hannah. My, my, yeah, we do. My understanding is that um, Black Flag were a little earlier than that. I would yeah, have exactly. said early eighties, so late seventies. By then, so maybe that's yeah. where the influence could kick in. But yeah, no, again, definitely. We're just speculating I, here. I, I think no. I think there's something to that. It'd be really fascinating to kind of find out. Um, yeah, I, I guess the other really fun fact that I'm going to throw out is um, this was 1989 when this Annihilator record yeah. appeared, but Jeff would follow it up the year after with Never Neverland, their second album, which many say is their best. Right. Different singer, you would be shocked at how different the band sounds just in terms of just, just you change the voice. It's like a whole new project. Um, but with saying that... 
Uh, and you, Jason, you being the Metallica fan you are, you're going to love this fact. Well, apparently Metallica, when they were writing the Black Album, were going to call the track Enter Sandman Never Neverland, but their label urged them not to do it. This is a, this this is a this is an old myth. We we don't Ooh, know. We're if, talking urban legends now. We don't know if this is true or not. But Je- Jeff's spoken about it that he's heard from people that have confirmed this. So I'm going to take his word for it. Um, but yeah, they were going to name the track into Sandman Never Neverland. But due to that record doing really well in 1990, they uh, decided no, we we probably don't want the comparison. So they called it into Sandman. Well, wise call. Wise call, hey. Wise call. Uh, in terms of your choice between A Lesson in Violence and Wicked Mystic? Oh, Wicked Mystic is something else. I'm with you. It, <laughs> it, it, Mystic, it, yeah. it really is. It's just... It, it just guitar, the guitar playing, I could go on all day. Um, I, I, I guess another reason, too, uh, for me, why Jeff's one of my favourite players to listen to is... Uh, and this is this is kind of comedic, but this is how I got madly into the band. Uh, Jeff is a diehard Eddie Van Halen fan. Right. Absolutely loves him. I think he owns maybe 20 plus of his guitars. He's even got car seats with Van Halen covers, you know, just really above and beyond. And uh, yeah, you can hear Eddie's playing all throughout, in my opinion. His, his, I mean, Eddie's playing's influence is kind of in everyone's playing in a sense, but Jeff, uh, there's certainly a lot of that shine there, which is really great. There's obviously that common uh, talking point that people say when it comes to modern music, it always ends up back at the Beatles at some point. It's and tr- people it's true. make that argument to say whatever metal you hear, it all can be traced back to Van Halen. So That's right. Um, you know, they, they came in in the late seventies, I think, immediately. I'm just gonna say it off the top of my head, we should absolutely do have we had a Van Halen great metal standoff? Van- well, there we, we go. Not. I will think of a good album to compare it to. I think that would be great fun and we'll be back here in the studio to yeah, talk we all will. about it absolutely it's nice and easy to get to and uh yeah lo- loving the chat but uh Getting yeah we're, homework. We're, we're moving forward here with we uh are. with track five yeah we are we're bordering on halfway so how about we do a little bit of a score check for myself two all draw wow really so that will mean a half point each and maybe that might actually assist in a victory could but ben annihilator leads three to one it's going to be very interesting to see what will change, if anything will change? We, uh, we, we're going to find out. It's going to be awesome. Right. Metal Command versus Burns Like a Buzzsaw Blade. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, both these tracks are just so, so stupidly fast, aren't they? Jason, I, I always wonder when, you know, you might have had, let's just say, oh, I don't know if you have or not, maybe you had a bit of a break from listening to thrash metal. But are you still blown away by the speed of this genre at times? I thought it was, a, in Metal Command, I thought it was a bit more of at a steadier pace. It was fast, of course, but yeah, it was sure. very much controlled. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, that is a fair point. Yeah, Metal Command is a, uh, it's, it's definitely another, another classic Exodus track. Um, this is, by all accounts, many diehard fans, everyone agrees this is Exodus's best album. I incredibly disagree. Um, As uh, calling Metal Command their best song. Oh, sorry, the the Bonded by Blood is. Oh, uh, many, many believe that is their best record. Right. Many fans. Um, so you started on a really good one, um, and and I guess the issue that Exodus had, they had a few patchy records, which I, again I disagree with. I'm just such a fan of Exodus, but um, <laughs> yeah, to me, uh, Fabulous Disaster would un- undoubtedly be their finest hour, which was, I think, released in 1989. I could be wrong. It was 88 or 89, but... Um, I'll fact-check that after the show for you. How about that? Sounds good. 
I um I after listening to Bonobi Blood because it was still an acquired taste. Again, I'm still not acquired to the taste of Exodus yet. I think a I few more give, listens will get you there. I yeah. did give the second record Pleasures of the Flesh. Oh a yes, shot. yes, yes. I think I preferred that over Bonobi Blood. Yes. Not sure why yet. I can't go in depth as to why because it's still again. No, I I, 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 me, I I can. But I, it was yeah. more of an. It left more of an impression. I say. I can easily answer that. There's a lot more variation in the riffing on Pleasures of the Flesh. Um, it, it, not every track was instantly crazy fast all the time, which is why I felt Exodus started to grow in, in a better direction. Um, right. As much as I love the youthful, thrash energy of this first album, I think they just really kind of found their niche in terms of being still being a fast band, but also bringing in a lot more of that groove. And, uh, you know, they, they tease it here, but it definitely comes out in later releases as well. Burns Like a Buzzsaw Blade, uh, by all accounts, is um, talking about human pleasure. Ah. That is literally it. It's like a bit of a tongue-in-cheek uh, kind of thing lyrically, if you're to read the lyrics out. It, it sounds like more menacing than it actually is. Uh, and I really just love Randy Rampage's interpretation of the, the like how he how he does these vocals. I think are just so cool. Um, and the riffs, oh my gosh, the riffs! There, there's some great riffs in this track. Um, Starts off with a solo as well. Oh, I know. Uh, I mean, does it get any better than that? I, I don't think it does. It's um, it, it, it's really cool. But yeah, these are these are two more really fun tracks. Um, off just two classic, classic albums. I mean, you could not stop thrash in the 80s. It was the thing, uh, along with glam rock, which, uh, which which I quite like, but I know it's not for everyone. But, um, yeah, the 80s, what, what, what a time, Jason. Right. Uh, in terms of Randy Rampage on Buzzsaw Blade, he sounded very piratey. He in- sounded very it- much like a pirate. That's incredibly interesting. Like, uh- it sounded like... Straight out of a pillager soundtrack. If you were having a scene, oh, for I pillage, can hear that for, now. Like a pirate pillage, yeah, burns like a buzzsaw blade. Yeah, I never noticed that before. How cool is that? Oh wow, jeez. Am, oh. am I a fan of it? Who's to say? Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna have a hard time listening to that song now without picturing oh, pirate ships and <laughs> Does stuff. That mean oh, I've just oh, it? Yeah, like Jason ruined a, a favorite album. Of mine. No, no, no. <laughs> it, 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 it'll be fine. But uh, yeah, very. I see. This is why. I love people coming in and listening to different records they never heard before because that's just something my brain never put together. But um, that is really cool. Jason, I guess uh, there can only be one. Metal uh, Command. You, you like Metal Command more? Metal Command. It's That is... I was talking about Bonded by Blood, the title track, being a symbolic uh, uplifting of the community. But yep. this is definitely up there as well. It's very much a community for the... Ye- it, yeah, it is. It's, it's very kind of anthemic in that sense. Um, you might be surprised. I'm with you. I reckon Metal Command's the uh, the one to go with. Interesting. Very interesting indeed. Yeah. What does that do to the scores? That only takes you three to two. Three to two. Yeah, there's still some leeway here for uh, you know things to change. However, it does mean Exodus for me lead three to two. I also want to quickly uh, talk about something that's incredibly unusual, and it's the fact that Annihilator have never, ever played Australia, ever. In fact, they've barely played America, if you can believe it. The band is Canadian. Their record label kind of fell through after their, I believe, their third record. And uh, this this is crazy, Jason. They the, the label came to them and said, hey, new metal's the thing, you know, in the 90s, like new metal and grunge. Yep. We want you guys to change. If you change your sound and your look, we'll 
extend your contract. You can do a few more records. And Jeff said, adios. I, I, I want to make music I want to make. I'm, I'm not pandering to a trend, which as we know, uh, any trend dies after a period of time. Especially with grunge and new metal, much quicker than anticipated. Much quicker. It, uh, you know, it, it had that huge, huge commercial appeal. And uh, man, by 2004, 2005, that thing was dead in the water, uh, pretty much. But um, I guess what's crazy is that, uh, in like in turn, Jeff built up a huge following in Europe and in Japan. So that's mostly where Annihilator play their shows. But uh, the good news is, post pandemic, he's already said. Uh, the band is going to do an Australian tour, so we will be graced. Um, and I am just counting down for those days till that happens. I I'll can pro- imagine. I'll probably do a tour. Um, sister lives in Sydney, so I'll go, hey, can I stay a night? I'm flying up. And then I might even do Brisbane or something. But and Ma- Mel- Maybe Melbourne. you could take Mosh Pit on the road and just do a Mosh Pit tour along with yeah, an that, That's right. How cool would that be? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. You have the power nowadays. Oh, I know, I know. Too much power. It's really scary. Right. So. Both of us taking Metal Command. That's, yeah, commendable stuff. Again, and also back to the punk rock war cry kind of thing. Bailoff sounds like that in that song as well. He, he does. It, it's such a spirited performance from Paul, um, and it really makes you realise just what a force he was. Um, why did he leave the band? That's a really interesting question that I wish I had the answer to. I think, they're, I think they, were, they just had a kind of a different vision for who they wanted fronting the group might have been my understanding but it's funny to release something so critically acclaimed in both both these cases both bands did the same thing they released something that was critically acclaimed and then what happened they got they got the changed singer just instantly so piranha versus word salad oh okay i i want you to go first on this one you want me to go first? I'll just read straight from my notes then. We'll go. We'll start with Piranha. Oh, I will say Piranha is um, one of the all-time Exodus set list classics. If you see Exodus live, you're going to get Piranha. It's pretty much guaranteed. Excellent. And it, is it a bit more of a deep... Is it one for the deep cut fans or is that just... Uh, it's it, a song that's just gone on to have a cult following. I, I mean, Exodus are almost like a cult band at this point, but I think yeah. I think it's fair to say that song would actually, if you made a best of Exodus playlist, no, I think that'd be that'd be in the top it. top ten. Yeah, sweet. Well, the intense the intensity kicks up a bit to start, and it, it, to me, I wrote here it says it's grittier. Still, the classic early thrash riffage, fine for what it is, but the solo blisters away. Also, it's got very very wah wah. Yeah, very true. Yeah, it's um, it's an incredibly catchy riff that when you first hear it. It also yeah opens with uh, just a fantastic pummeling of the drums by Tom Hunting as well. It's just really, really uh, breakneck speed playing. It's so good. But what about for Annihilator? Uh, Annihilator, that'd be word salad. I like how this starts, but it goes back to similar thrash sound. However, there are some variations I like. That's what I was writing as I was listening to it for the very first time. Very nice. There was, uh, 229-ish, there was a shift. Was there a child in the background? I thought I could hear like a little bit of wailing of a small child in the background because it shifts down. That's very true. There is, something, there is something there. I, uh, I, I've noticed that too. There, there is a, some sound. There's a, there's a clip there of like a baby or something going on. And uh, other than that, I just said there was a shreddy two-part solo. Again, probably another recurring theme between both records. There's... You can split your solos into two halves. Yeah. So um, always love hearing your your thoughts, your take. And uh, here's my crazy take. Mm. Um, uh, Word Salad is one of my favorite metal songs of all time. 
Is it? I think it is just a masterpiece beginning to end. And it's funny, the first time I heard it, I didn't realise how great it was. Um, those light guitar parts are just so cool. All the riffing, how stupidly technical some of it is. And, and I think the solo, it's one of my favourite solos ever too. I think it pretty much rivals anything off Rust in Peace when it comes to solos and stuff. So, I, uh, Jason, I recommend you to give that track another try um, it, when you can. But at the same time, Piranha is just exodus at their finest as well. Uh, this is a really great head-to-head, this one. like I mean, wow. It, picking a loser out of this is kind of it, just unbelievable to even think. But... Oh man, yeah, I could talk about I could I could talk for two hours on how much I love Word Salad. I just think it's it's just such a delight to listen to. The playing is so fast, but it's groovy. It's very rhythmic, and the drums keep up full pace. And that solo, you know, it's a shame with podcasts that we can't, you know, legally we can't play the solo because I would absolutely say play that solo right now and we can all enjoy it on the podcast but um, <laughs> hey the, you, you know what that's what's great about the standoff is um, you hear us banter away you hear Jason banter away with folks um, and then you go back and check out the albums after which is great yes uh, Piranha Words uh, you know what mostly because I don't have too much of a dog in the fight I it's very hard for me to just choose because it's a bit yeah, they're still developing they're, in they're, they're, they're both very different songs too. I, I think uh, Piranha's kind of exodus just being incredibly tight, like for how tight that band were, 1985 is just in, in, insane. Uh, also worth noting, they were the victim of the record label delaying their album. Um, Annihilator or Exodus? Exodus. exodus. M- many cite Exodus as the first ever thrash metal band because uh-huh. if you have a look, they formed earlier than Metallica. Okay. Which would make a little bit of sense as well with the Kirk Hammett situation and so yes. forth. Um, but yeah, um, the label, it took them a little while to get signed. Then the label just held it off, held it off, held it off. And, and you can imagine the band going, we've got this classic. We've, we've wrote this masterpiece and you guys just aren't going to put it out. So people always say Exodus are kind of in the second wave, but it's so incorrect. Like, yeah, the album came out in 85, but my word, like th- th- this band was... Killing it on the, on the local scene in 1980, 1981. On top of that, it probably wouldn't help that they had traded a lot of band members between 1980 and 1985. That's right. That, yeah. Um, like losing your lead guitar player to then go on to become one of the most legendary guitarists of all time just by being in the biggest metal band that's ever lived. Uh, Kirk Hammett's a fascinating one to me, and I think sometimes he doesn't get the respect he deserves solely because Metallica's always been Lars and James, that they're the engine room. And the guy with the wah-wah. Uh, yeah, but that's right. Everyone just says, you know, Kirk's the guy of the Wah Wah, which, um, I mean, those first four Metallica records, the, the soloing on those are just raw. I reckon they're really, oh, yeah. really just incredible work there from Kirk. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, uh, after Cliff, the, the bassists have kind of always been shunned and kind of... I, I, Incorrectly, m- mind you, Newstead and Trujillo... I read something incredibly upsetting about Newstead the other day. He admitted he can't play Metallica music anymore. It's just, it's just age. At the, yeah, at he, the he, level he physic- that he used to. At the level that he used to, because he, you know, physically he's had some surgeries and stuff like that as well, and yeah. What bugs me about that is that that probably also means we won't be able to see any, like, Newstead as well. Cause oh, that's his, right. Um, yeah, because they, they had a nice little... Yeah, the Newstead um, project because I re- yeah. I want to put that album on a on a standoff. That'd in the be future. good. Yeah, yeah. What well, was it? Heavy Metal Music or something heavy like metal that? Music. Heavy Metal yeah. Music by Newstead. Yeah, awesome. I love Jason. I think he's great. I um I, I'd love I'd love to love to see him just in any capacity live one day. It'd be 
That'd be brilliant. But I uh, got a little we're carried talk, away we're there. We're here talking about Exodus and Annihilator. Oh, we're, and we're, we've we got to, we've got to choose between Piranha Word Salad. Just because it hasn't developed all that much, I'm going to need to take some... Con- give me your best argument as to why I should pick either song. Give me your best argument for both. Okay. Um, you would pick Piranha because the riffing is instantly memorable, catchy. Um, it's it's one of the first songs Gary Holt ever wrote as well. Yep. Um, and I think it channels everything that Exodus is as a band. I, I think if someone was to say... I've never listened to Exodus. Could you show me a song? You'd probably put on Piranha or Bonded by Blood. So, yeah, it's definitely a staple for the band. And on the other side of things, um, you probably wouldn't put Word Salad on as the opening track you'd ever show someone for Annihilator, um, simply because it it takes a little bit more time to kind of get going. But in my opinion, it has one of the best solos of all time. Uh, And Jeff must think so too, because he always plays that song at any guitar clinic he ever does, I've noticed. Um, Maybe the the variation in the riffs and the tempo changes and stuff. Um, Yeah, the playing is just on fire. And I think the riffing is great. And as a composition, and this is a word I need to keep saying that I'm not saying enough, his songwriting and how he composes music to me is super clever. It's like a jigsaw puzzle and he just seems to make it work every single time. So I, I, that, th- those are my arguments. Um, for me personally, it's Word Salad by a Landslide. I, I think that track is just incredible. Well, that takes you up to 4-2 in Annihilator. Uh, you know what? I'll go Contrarian. I'll make it 4-2 to Exodus. I'll take Piranha. I have no issue with either um, pick someone would take on those as well. I, I think they're both just Yeah. I will awesome. preface just because both songs are still developing in my repertoire of music sure. consumption. Yeah. That will easily change yeah. maybe very much in the near future after we start uh, stop uh, recording. Uh, so and, and when we stop recording, Jason, maybe on the weekend or uh, the week after, I really would love you to hear the Never Neverland album, which is the the year after Annihilator, because it, it's it almost sounds like a different band. Just the the singer is so much different. He's more of a heavy metal singer. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I, it's, it's more groovy. It's probably a little bit more kind of heavy metal. I'd just be interested in your take on that as well. Nice. Certainly can. Beautiful. Okay. No Love versus Schizos Are Never Alone, parts one and two. This took a little bit of getting used to. In, in, uh, in what sense? Well, uh, for example, No Love, it starts with acoustic guitar. Yes, it does. And you which get is... very curious. Yes. But then once the main riffs start hitting and then the song progresses, I, I kind of just went, what was the point? It didn't uh, really it, fit for uh, me. Yeah, that's incredibly um, interesting that, that you've said that because I always thought it was a little tacked on as well. It, when you think of Crystal Anne, it actually, well, I think it complements yes. Ellis and Hell, whereas this, it's kind of just there. It introduces there. you to the record yeah. and then it leads you into a top song, yeah. Ellis and Hell. And, and, yeah, No Love, it just, I'm with you, tax on. Um, and I know on the next uh, Exodus album, they did a similar thing, but they made it a track. There was a, I think they called it 40 Seconds or something. And it was just 40 seconds of acoustic guitar playing. I think it's track seven on the album or something like that. And again, you're kind of just left there going... It was nice playing, but I don't really see how it fit in the, in the scope of the, the record. But um, No Love is a really good song. I, I think there's some really great it riffs on it. definitely, definitely picks up. I feel like once yeah. the, once it hits about halfway, it shifts, and then it just becomes a shot of adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Um, and uh, the, the, the Schizos one, um, I do believe that gets continued on. Um, on a later record, uh, which, again, the, the name oh. escapes me at the moment. There's uh, 17 Annihilator albums, 
and I'm working my way through them, and I've heard 15 of the 17 at the moment. Anyway, talking about uh, schizos are never alone, what, what uh, compositionally shall we focus on? Uh, I, I think the, the opening kind of main riff that I think hits you in, in the 30-second mark, that is just so killer. And then from there on, it just keeps changing. Uh, he just keeps changing up the riffs really nicely. Uh, I definitely do love the vocals. And, uh, yeah, again, just really really nice drum performance. And I, I still, you know, even at track seven of the album, I'm still blown away by how great the production is. I really just love... What was your take on the tone of um, the guitar? Did you like? Did you think it sounded nice and thick and nice on the ears? Um, no, I'm not very good with tone. Sure. Um, I oh, I can't really make too much of a judgment. No, on that. that's I'm right. not very well versed in that. No, no that's okay. Uh, but other than that, I can just describe that you know from I, I believe part two starts around about halfway through because yeah. it stops. And yeah, then it, it does, and then it comes again. back. Which um, uh, man, when I was a bit was, jarring, but when I kept listening to this album uh, on my phone on the streaming service, I kept thinking it was a new song, and I'd go, <laughs> yeah. I'd go, I'm up to track eight. And then the song would end, and then I'd, I'd I'd be up to track eight, and it would confuse the heck out of me. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, it's funny how it does that. What are we gonna choose? What am I gonna choose? I think no love just by by the shot in the arm, adrenaline in the second half. I think that's what no love is gonna do. Yeah, to no, no, no love. Take it for me. No, no love's really really cool. Um, but I will, I will go with uh, the schizos one. I just love that too much. Oof, it's five two. For both sides, but it's opposite opposite bands. ends. Opposite wow. ends. I think. Gee, I'll tell you, if I had a guess, it's bearing down. If I had a guess which down. album I thought you would have liked more, I probably would have bet the house on the Annihilator one. So this is this is very fascinating to me, um, in a good way, because both these albums rule. But uh, there can only be one winner, and we are up to track eight. Yeah, but we're also we're two tracks away from a potential draw. Yeah, that's a point. I think I think we might actually be seeing it today. Yeah, we could. Yeah. Deliver Us to Evil, seven-minute track. Yes, versus yes. Versus Lygia. Oh, my gosh. Um, Deliver Us to Evil is such a song. It's so good. Uh, all, all the riffs in it are huge. Um, yeah, it just makes me wonder how on earth these guys were writing this stuff so early on. It, it's just, again, there's so much enthusiasm in the playing. You can hear it. Um, th- this has always been something that I've loved talking to music fans about, and that is a first album. The artist always has something to prove, especially in metal. It's exciting. You know, they've never been maybe in the studio before or anything like that. Um, you've only got a limited amount of money, and you know what? You have to put your best foot forward, and you've got to make that record work. Let's talk motifs with Deliver Us to Evil. Probably a subversion of the Our Father prayer. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't didn't think of that too much. Nice. What what else you got on that one? What did I else have on that? Uh, if some this is this is again me being a bit visual when listening to this. If someone was running away from an evil something, I don't I don't really know want to describe what it might be. We'll just say it's something evil. Yep. The riffage tells us that they're just running faster and faster and faster away from that evil thing. <laughs> yeah. No longer the those riffs go along. That is true. Yeah. It's it, uh, it's interesting because. And then when the drums kick back in and the riffs get faster, you could almost say it's like they're running away. That's a really great analogy. I've never thought of that before. Um, 
again, I wonder whether some of this stuff was done by design or we 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 just uh you know take away what we do from it. But um yeah, that's really cool. And as for uh the Annihilator track, it it, it is still very very good. Um. I think the album takes just a slight dip in quality from here on in, track eight and track nine. I will say, Ligia did feel a bit more like one of the more forgettable. It tracks. was. It, I mean, they're, they're, when when it's an album like that, you know, something has to stand out as being a little bit more. Not not. It's not a bad song, but um, yeah, compared to what we were spoiled with in the first seven, it's kind of. I don't want to say it's just there. It's still a cool song, but. Um, Definitely not as classic. I did make that comment, but I am looking at my notes here and maybe it might not be as bad as I remember it being. Oh, here we go. I, as much as I've said inoffensive in my notes, I've also said you've been comparing Annihilator to Megadeth for most of the discussion, but I, I pointed out um, Randy Rampage sounded a bit mustainy. Yes. In yeah, the vocals. Yeah, I, I could definitely hear that. And also in terms of riffage, it sounded very much like a sped up symptom of the universe, Black Sabbath. Wow, how about that? That was the comparison I made. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. I can I can see that actually. Yeah. I mean I mean obviously, you know, Black Sabbath's music's in uh, all these guys' blood. Um yeah. I mean it's it's just a gateway, it's a go to. But uh yeah, I think that's pretty pretty sensible to say that uh yeah, they they might have he might have kind of adapted that riff and just made it a little quicker. And to further on with that, once it, it shifts up into a little bit of a gallopy style rhythm section. Yes, that's right. And the, and the bass playing's lightning, isn't it, at that bit? So, yeah. yeah. Gallopy you, bass I'll always appreciate. Oh, yeah. I mean, Iron Maiden, uh, the, the kings of, uh, you know, the gallopy bass. Um, but, yeah, it, it, both great songs, but... Uh, Deliver Us to Evil is just too fantastic. I, I got to go with that one for sure. That's your third Exodus track. Ooh, what am I going to do? Honestly, Deliver Us to Evil, fair enough. Lygia might be maybe the most forgettable off Alice in Hell, but I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking... You're thinking about maybe it, though, I, yeah. Maybe I underrated that track. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely worth another shot. Do you know what? I'll give it a point just to give it another shot. I'll give it a point. I'll give it another shot once this is done, Beautiful, yeah. Because Smart idea. I'm looking at these notes here that I was taking when I listened to it for the very first time. And even the second time, I write in different pens so I know which time I listened, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. listened to it. Um, you know, most of it just sounds like it's up my alley. So I'm going to give that one another shot and give it another. I'll give that a point out of curiosity. Beautiful. Yeah, curiosity is always a good thing. Yep. So that leaves us with a score check of five to three, but on opposite ends. For me, it's Exodus. For Ben, it's Alice in Hell. So we kind of are on a bit of a foregone conclusion at this point. Yes, we, we know, we, we, know we, we know which way we're heading, don't we? We know which way we're heading and we've still got it we've only got one track to go, so we've got an inevitable result right here. But Strike of the Beast versus Human Incesticide, Strike of the Beast easy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Strike stri- Strike of the Beast is um usually the song that Exodus end all their shows with. Not with good reason. My God, that oh, riff. Oh, yeah, it is fast. And not just that, it's kind of like, all right, folks, if if you want to get in the pit, now's the time. But please be safe. It's very right. Exodus shows are stupidly rough. Uh, <laughs> I've been I've been to one. It's, yeah, good fun. Uh, they did a live album with Paul, Paul Beloff, down yep. the line 10 years later, and they called it uh, Good Violent Friendly Fun. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I thought that was very fitting. Um, but, oh, yeah, Strike of the Beast, man, oh, man. You, you're not wrong. It's got some huge riffs in that thing. 
love that riff so much. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. That's just signature Exodus, that. Also, should shout out, you know, I always keep saying Gary Holt because he's still with the band and he's kind of their leader, but... Rick Hunolt, or whatever his name was, uh, I apologize on the pronunciation there, um, he was with Gary for the first six records and they were nicknamed the H-Team um, because they always delivered with the riffs and the solos trading back and forth from each other. So he definitely deserves to get some credit too. Um, and uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was Rob McKillop uh, on the bass guitar on this, uh, on this Exodus record? The Exodus record. On bass, we have Rob McKillop. Rob McKillop, who uh, played, I think, on their first four albums before he uh, parted ways. Um, and, yeah, I, I've just always been fascinated, um, Jason, with how, like, the drummers that took over, um, because Tom Hunting stepped out for a bit. He's back with them now. But uh, John Tempesta, who who you might know the band The Cult, um, he, he plays with them a lot now. Um, she Sells Sanctuary, all, all those great songs. And uh, I guess the other drummer, which you definitely would know, who uh, stepped in to do one record, was uh, Paul Bostaff, uh, also known as the drummer of Slayer. Oh, um, wow. When the band, you know, when Dave Lombardo disappeared, Paul stepped in for Slayer um, on a couple of records. But yeah, it's it, neither of those guys, in my opinion, could quite do the work Tom did. Tom and this band fit like a glove, and you can just hear it in the playing on this track. It's just furiously quick, and yeah, kind of a catchy riff. And uh, just heavy thrash metal energy at its best. I'm glad you were complimenting Hunting on the drums because I, I have my kudos to that drum drumming. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's we'll, brilliant. We'll just flip it over to Human Incesticide just to speak on it a little bit. Um, what were your takeaways? For such an incredible album, it really is. I'm starting to think the album could almost be in my top 10 of all time. I'm not sure yet. I need a few more listens of it. But uh, I just feel like this track kind of stalled the momentum a little bit like to the point of i would have almost considered maybe they just left it off or made it a bonus um even though i do like it i do, I do think it's a good song if, it, if it's your favorite uh, if it's your favorite track listeners at home uh, uh these are the comments of ben holton no they are they're, 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 they're the comments of me and uh, mine only no 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 it is a great song. Uh, the only reason I say this is that the record was just at such a high caliber that this song to me just didn't quite feel as if it was offering anything overly different and not done as well as the previous ones. But that's a, that's a minor uh, criticism just because I, I think I think it's still a great track. Um, yeah, uh, it probably sounded harsher than what it actually was, but yeah. In terms of riffage, what were your thoughts on the occasional dive bomb and the whammy bar use? Yeah, I've always loved um, Jeff's ability of, you know, just getting all different sounds out of his guitar. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, the, the whammy bar sounds killer. Um, and yeah, Exodus do this a lot too, uh, more so on later albums. They'll get a really awesome whammy bar squeal out of the guitar and, and it'll, it'll open up a solo. Um, I've, I've always loved that. Like that to me... If I was a guitar player, oh man, I'd do that every solo. Just open up with some really loud whammy bar kind of ringing, reverberating around the room and then just start shredding. But um, I'm not talented on the guitar at all um, and I don't play. So <laughs> Neither am I. I. I 
I've owned the same acoustic guitar for borderline 10 years, and I'm still a beginner. Really? Yeah. So so you ain't going to be pulling out uh, Chris, Crystal Anne anytime soon. I won't or... be busting out Crystal Anne anytime soon. That's I won't be shame. doing any acoustic renditions of Human Incessant. <laughs> yeah, that would uh, be fascinating to hear. Yeah. But uh, I think we're both in agreement that it's going to be Strike of the Beast it, it's, as it's, easy. It's going to be Strike of the Beast, absolutely. How, how could you not go past that? Awesome. Fa- yeah, that is a fantastic end, regardless uh, of whether my views on exodus are still acquiring great end yeah yeah um yeah i think for you jason you'd probably really like um fabulous disaster would be the album i'd recommend for you it's their third album um they were really in full swing with zetro and they even do you know the song lowrider they even do a cover of that on the album and it just everything they did worked it was really strange Giving uh, me homework, love it. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, if I was to say one more of both bands, I'd say Never Never Land Annihilator, and I'd say uh, Fabulous Disaster by Exodus. All right. Well, we're at the end, Ben. Unbelievable. I, uh, you know, uh, appreciate you letting me chat away. I'm sorry if I overtalked, but uh, I had a lot to say. These are both fantastic works. Well, let's see on paper what you had to say on the scoreboard. And well, we said it's an inevitability. Yes, it is a draw. So, Wow-wee. Exodus got the grand point for me with six to three. Six to three. Um, what were the three Annihilator ones you liked more? Alice in Hell, yep. Wicked Mystic, yep. and for curiosity, Lay Yeah, nice. Okay, awesome. So that that's one grand point for Exodus for me, but... Ben, five to four. Five to four. Alice Pretty close. Yeah, I mean, this is comparing. It's almost like you know, picking between your children. Like it's just bands you love so much. Yeah. Um, and, the two-person uh, dynamic it it raised the possibility uh, of a draw exponentially, it, it, and it, it has it, happened. It did. I I actually thought maybe you might have gone the annihilator route. So that was that was a nice surprise to me as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, both bands are winners. Um, both these albums have sold really well. Too. Lucky for us, Ben, maybe we do have a deciding vote because we went onto our Mosh Pit on Sin Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Mosh Pit on Sin. Yeah. I decided I wanted to pop a poll up and leave it up to you to see if you guys, if we, if there's going to be two of us and the possibility of a draw has gone up exponentially, let's leave it to you, the listener to determine a winner for us. So we asked the question to you, and the problem is I'm reading the poll right now and not even you, the listeners, can decide because it's 50-50. This is just unbelievable. I, I, I mean, we have to have a winner. So um, maybe, perhaps, we, we might be able to uh, reach out to some people and get their, their thoughts on it, but obviously wouldn't get them talking for an hour and 20 minutes like we've been doing but <laughs> how, how, how do we how do we solve this uh this issue that we got going on i here? think this is an insolvable issue ben i think we're gonna have to leave it at that so we're playing almost like the participation game everyone's a winner not quite the participation no, because, game it's uh, just that we're just these deserve awards these albums is well, high-end quality stuff yeah. high-end quality stuff we'll sit here and we'll give the how about we give them a round of applause for I, creating great music I, for I, us all I, I think that's uh very fitting Thank you, Exodus. Thank you, Annihilator. Yes, th- thank you both so much for uh, all the insane amount of hours I've spent listening to both those bands. And, uh, you know, when I can't hear, um, you know, maybe in my 50s, 60s, 70s or something, I'll, I'll know I'll know the root of the cause. All right. Well, uh, that was a fun conversation, Ben. We'll see. Hopefully we can do some more standoffs going forward. I hope so, Jason. And uh, we'll, we'll do our best to bring a third person into the room and we'll, yep. we'll, we'll just... That'll fix our issue, I guess, of uh, drawing. But uh, everyone's a winner. 
both albums are great. If you've never listened to them before, but listen to the podcast, I think you'd be almost crazy not to check them out after us talking about them. In the meantime, I've got some more thrash to listen to. Thanks very much, Ben. News just in. News just in. When Ben and I recorded our chat and read the poll over at facebook.com forward slash mosh pit on sin, there were still a couple of hours left until voting officially closed. And just after wrapping up, we found some extra votes had been cast. And when I say just after wrapping up, I mean mere hours after we stopped recording, bid each other adieu, and went our separate ways. Oh, we touched and went our separate ways. Anyway, you get it. So, all importantly, we can now reveal the updated results since voting has closed. It has given us an official winner. The winner of this battle at 60% to 40% chosen by you is Exodus Bonded by Blood. Well done, Exodus. It was a post-podcast vote. It was voted by the people, you the listener. And this goes to show that if we ever find ourselves locked in a two-person panel again, we can count on all of you listening to cast that all-important tie breaker. Big thanks again to Ben for taking the time out of his day to talk Exodus and Annihilator with me on the show, and thank you to all of those who cast a vote in the official poll over at facebook.com forward slash moshpitonsin, the official moshpitonsin Facebook page, the flagship heavy metal show here at Sin Media. You people who voted are the people who helped us decide a winner today. Break the dead heat, break the deadlock, and also, just more generally, thank you for listening as well. Uh, we hope you can stick by for more battles going forward. We have plenty lined up, and they're up our sleeves. They're on their way. But also, check out our previous episodes of The Great Bell Stand-Off. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts, you know, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Omni.fm, and even at the Sin Media official website, syn.org.au. But also, anywhere else you can get your podcast, I'm sure you will be able to find it. And if you would like to stay up to date with what we do here at the Great Metal Standoff, be sure to chuck us a like over at facebook.com forward slash Metal Standoff Pod. That's all for now. Till next time, metal up your ass. Metal up your ass.